0: God has saved the very best for right now. We are closing our first section of our three-part series this year, His Word Today, and Pastor Ronnie's going to bring the word. Would you welcome him, please? Good morning. Good morning. I was given the assignment of teaching about God's Word for today, and it— I thought, wow, that's, that'll be, uh, i got two or three sermons I can preach on that. But it didn't stop there. It said God's word for today and what it tells us about the future. <laughs> I went, okay, let's see if we can do that in one day. Uh, I, uh, the older I've gotten, the more I would realize that that first part of the assignment is the more important part. However, I also realize that the second part of that assignment is probably the part that more people are interested in. So we're going to actually, we're going to try and cover both of them today. I've actually got three sections that I want to cover and we're going to have to get on a horse and ride. So you need to listen quickly. Uh, Would you stand with me and let's let's read the passage from Isaiah. Present your case, says the Lord set forth your arguments says Jacob's king tell us you idols what is going to happen tell us what the former things were so that we may consider them and know their final outcome or declare to us the things to come tell us what the future holds so that we may know that you are gods do something whether good or bad, so that we may be dismayed and filled with fear. But you are less than nothing, and your works are utterly worthless. Whoever chooses you is detestable. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. We have asked for the Holy Spirit to come numerous times this morning already. I pray right now that the Holy Spirit would come and that you would give us ears to hear, you'd give us hearts to understand what the Spirit would say to the church. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I I don't normally do this, but I'm going to go back and I'm going to read this to you. Uh, I know that we've stood and we've read it, but we have a tendency, you know, when we stand and read, we we kind of catch this rhythm, we get in this rhythm, we don't always listen, when we read. So uh, let me read it to you. Present your case, says the Lord. Set forth your arguments, says Jacob's king. Tell us, you idols, what is going to happen. Tell us what the former things were so so that we may consider them and know their final outcome. Or declare to us the things to come. Tell us what the future holds so that we may know that you are God's. Do something, whether good or bad, so that we may be dismayed and filled with fear. But you are less than nothing, and your works are utterly worthless. Whoever chooses you is a freaking idiot. Yeah, yeah, that's the the RMV, the Ronnie Meek version, yeah. Uh, there's going to be three sections to this to this sermon today. Uh, the last section is going to be the word for today because that's the most important. Uh, and then there'll be a middle section where we'll talk about what 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 the future may hold in terms of what the Bible says. But the first section, I want to start. I want to lay three foundational statements down that I think apply to both of the other two sections and really apply to everything in life. And the first one is this. There are only two things in this world that are opposing forces. There really are. And that is the world and the kingdom. Those are the two. Now, we get distracted by side issues and side things, and we think that, you know, well, this one is about the kingdom, and this one is about the world. 1 John chapter 5 tells us the whole world is under the control of the evil one. And whichever side you're on in terms of issues or uh, uh, politics or geopolitical, uh, uh, just, just uh, whatever side you're on, the whole world is under the control of the evil one. And they're just distractions. They're bunny, bunny trails. They're, they're red herrings. Uh-uh. And so anytime we choose and go, this is, this is where I stand because I'm, I'm a Christian. I'm a believer. We've already lost. Because once we choose, we start fighting with the world's weapons. And the weapons that we fight with are not... Not the world's weapons. The world's weapons are, uh, you know, guns and swords and votes and influence and and all of that. Jesus didn't use any of that. Jesus, uh, think about that for a second. Jesus did not use any of that when he came to proclaim the kingdom. 2 Corinthians uh, 10.4 tells us the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world on the contrary they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We have been given weapons that have divine power to destroy strongholds. Now what are those weapons? I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. Obviously prayer can be one of those weapons and I say it can be because sometimes we actually pray prayers to create strongholds. That's Sila, but, uh, and, and worship can be one of those, can be one of those weapons. But I want to, I want to mention what I think are the, the two most important, certainly the most important weapon in our arsenal is love. Love is what sent Jesus to die on the cross. God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son. And, and that's the most important weapon you've got as a member of the kingdom of God. And if you're not using that, what are you doing? You know, what are you doing? Another important weapon that we've got is faith. But faith is kind of, a teaching on faith is kind of um, mutated, Uh, I guess. It's not about getting stuff. It's not about making this happen. It's not about having stuff. No, uh, really the, the most important faith, anybody can have faith when the healing comes. Anybody can have faith when all the bills are paid. You know, there is a faith, though, that says, even though the healing hasn't come, even though the bills may not necessarily be paid, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. And I'm going to persevere because I believe and I trust. That's a kingdom weapon that we have right there. And they pull down strongholds. Love pulls down strongholds of, of, of hatred, and it pulls down strongholds of unforgiveness, and it pulls down strongholds that have grips on our lives. And, and, and that kind of faith pulls down the stronghold of fear, because the truth of the matter is, if I believe God, regardless of what comes, what am I going to be afraid of? Yeah. So, uh, number one, there, there's only, there are only two Forces in, in the world that are in opposition, really, to each other, uh, in our in our experience. Second thing is our God does stuff. We have a God who does stuff. He's always done stuff. He gets involved in history. Other other gods seem to get him uh, don't seem to get involved in history. I mean, you know, maybe they spoke to somebody supposedly or you know maybe they inspired some army to go and do something or something but they themselves don't actually get involved you know why because they can't but our god has unquestionably been historical and involved in history uh, from the exodus to the, to the resurrection, and, and of course even beyond, but I'm just talking about, uh, I'm talking to unbelievers now. I mean, for believers, you know, even before the exodus, we know God was involved, and, and God is even in, involved now. Uh, I, you know, if we opened up the floor, and we're not going to, okay, uh, but if, if we opened up the floor, there'd be testimony after testimony after testimony about what God has done in someone's life here. But the Exodus, our God (laughs) delivered an entire nation of slaves historically from, from the grip of an empire, one of the most powerful empires on the face of the earth. And He did it without a shot being fired, without an army. He did it without a vote. There was no referendum taken. Should we let the slaves go free? No, He did it. And then, and then once they were released and once they did go free and Pharaoh and his army went, boy, this might not have been a good idea. Let's go get them. He defeated the uh, 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 Egyptian armada or something. I, I don't know what you'd call it, but I mean, he defeated it. And once again, without an army. He, he did it. And then he has preserved that nation for over 3,000 years Against extreme odds. I mean, not only is it a 3,000-year-old nation, but for close to, well, probably over 2,000 years of that time, they didn't even have any land. They didn't have a country. They, didn't, they were not a political entity among the nations of the world. But here they are. Our God does stuff. And, and when it comes to the resurrection, Jesus rose from the dead. And, and that is evident, you know, in history... The gold standard is an eyewitness, and it's evidenced by eyewitnesses, and it wasn't just eyewitnesses who got together and went, wouldn't it be cool if we told everybody that Jesus rose from the dead? That would be so cool. No, they gave their lives. They gave their lives for their testimony. Now, a lot of people will give their lives for what they believe. I'll give my life for my belief that Jesus rose from the dead. And many of you would as well, because I I believe he did. I will not give my life for the testimony that I saw Jesus Christ resurrected from the dead, because I didn't. Giving your life for what you believe is one thing, giving your life for something you know is a lie is something else. It wasn't a lie. They saw him resurrected from the dead. And so our God does stuff. And then the third thing is our God tells us stuff before it happens. He tells us stuff before it happens. Uh, over in, uh, over in uh, the night in which Jesus was betrayed, uh, he's having the last supper with his disciples, and he was telling them about what's going to come down, what's getting ready to go on. The Son of Man's going to be betrayed. He's, he's going to be handed over uh, to sinners. He's going to, be, uh, he's going to be ridiculed and beaten, and, and, and he's, going to, he's going to die. But just wait, three days later, he's going to rise from the dead. And The reason he told them this is he said, I'm telling you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am who I am. And as we look back on that, we go, yeah, okay, that makes a whole lot of sense. You know what? They didn't understand it. They didn't get it. We're foolish if we think we can fully explain, and before I get into talking about what the Bible tells us about the future, we're foolish if we think we can fully explain what it all means before it happens. We can't. What Jesus was telling these guys was going to happen within 24 hours. Within 24 hours it was all going to go down. And yet, at the end of that time and Jesus is crucified nobody's going hey he told us he was going to be betrayed he told us that he was going to be handed over to sinners he told us that all this is going to happen and he told us that he's going to be resurrected in three days wow this is so cool let's just see what happens no they were all going oh it's over it's over it's done Lots of places in the Scriptures, if you'll look at it in the New Testament, you'll see that it says, this all happened, but the disciples didn't understand it until after it happened. And then they were able to look back and go, oh! And so I, I think that's really the pattern for things, because Isaiah says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. So I, I say this as I get into talking about the end times, because I grew up with a lot of sensationalism about the end times. I mean, I saw the charts. How many, how many of you saw the charts? The, the, you know, maybe there's some now. You uh, Google them. You know, end time charts. They're, they're four color. They got, they got all kinds of uh, beast and stuff and really weird looking stuff. And it, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. I, I saw the charts and, you know, and this is going to happen and then that's going to happen and then that's going to happen. I was at a basketball game yesterday. That may sound like a non sequitur, but here we go. I was at a basketball game yesterday and the topic of revelations came up. I was t- uh, uh, Yeah, uh, talk, talking with, my, with, with my, my bonus son, Brian, on, on the bleachers about revelations. And I happen to say anybody who thinks they can actually understand revelations and explain all that stuff is just out, crazy. And he's going, yeah, that's right. And a lady like three rows down goes, amen. Yeah, that's, that's and I said, well, I used to be able to explain it. When I was 16, I could, t- I could take you step, through, step by step through the whole thing. But I've gotten dumber since I was a teenager. And so have you. Need to understand that. Let's talk a little bit, though, about, well, first of all, only two different forces, opposing forces in the world. Our God does stuff. Our God tells us stuff before it happens. End times. Definition. The final days of the world system before it is replaced by the kingdom of God. See, the only two different forces in the world. Before the fall, there was just the kingdom. That was was all there was. The fall came, and the world system was issued in. What is the world system? John says in 1 John chapter 2, do not love the world or anything in the world for all that is in the world. The the world system consists of the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. That's it. That's the the trinity that makes up the world system. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, boastful pride of life. And so, uh, the world system is issued in with the fall, and then Jesus comes. And when Jesus comes, what was Jesus' message? Now, you know, the message to us, uh, and what we tend to think of as the message is, you know, you can be saved, don't. Don't go to hell, eternal life. And yes, that is. But Jesus' message that he came preaching is the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is now here. And it's something that that is within us righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, kingdom of God. And so for the last 2,000 years or so, they've kind of coexisted, if you will, in our experience. But there's going to come a time when the world system will be gone. It'll be a thing of the past. And Lord, it cannot come too soon. Hallelujah. Maranatha, come quickly, Lord Jesus. I want to say this, though I kind of touched on a little earlier. One of the things that we need to do in talking about the end times and, and what's going to happen is avoid sensationalism. Jesus did did not call us to share our theories about the end times. Jesus did not not call us to explain the mark of the beast. Jesus didn't call, he called us to bring the gospel. Because eschatology, which is just a fancy word for end time theology, doesn't save people. The gospel saves people. That's what saves them, and I, I know there are some verses that uh, that some sensationalists use to declare that we can know, we can know. And I'm only I'm only bringing this up. Uh, this is a vaccine. I want to give you a spiritual vaccine because there's a tendency, you know, there's a lot of these guys out there who are going, I can tell you what it's going to be. I can tell you how it's going to happen. And, and, you know, while some people will say, well, you know, even Jesus said, no one can know the time they go. Yeah, but look at these verses. Well, let me give you some vaccine, okay? Uh, Because one of the verses that they will use is 1 Thessalonians 5, 4. But you brothers and sisters are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. That doesn't mean that we can know when it's going to happen. What that means is you're not in darkness. We're children of light. So whenever it happens, whenever it comes, if it's it's today or if it's 100 years from now, which doesn't seem like a long time to me anymore, (laughs) whenever it is, you're ready. It doesn't doesn't surprise you like I think because you're walking in in the light. And another, another verse that sometimes they'll throw out... Completely out of context, it's First Corinthians, chapter two, verse sixteen. But we have the mind of Christ, and if we have the mind of Christ, then obviously we could be, you know. And first of all, Jesus himself said, "The son doesn't even know." Okay, but beyond that, that's not what this is talking about. This is talking about understanding what God had already done. It's specifically talking about the cross because the world looks at the cross and the world looks at what the gospel says and everything goes, that's foolish. He lost. I mean, scoreboard. Look, look, look who who ended up being buried in a tomb on this thing. But we have the mind of Christ to know what really happened on that cross. What really happened on that cross is Satan was defeated and we, the door to eternity was open. The door to eternal life was, was, was spread wide open for whosoever will may come. And because of that, the... Was it 1975 or was it 1956? I don't know. Because when I was in 1956, it was the first time I said, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. uh, Forgive my sins. And then I was a bad boy for a long time. Now I'm just a kind of bad boy. But in 1975, you know, I really made a turnaround, gave my life to the Lord. But because because of what he did on the cross, 1900 plus years later... He lifted me out of the miry clay, and he set my feet on a rock, put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to my God. I have the mind of Christ. I know what happened on that cross. Okay, let's, 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 hit, some, let's hit some topics here, and I'm going to hit them real quickly, okay? So, listen quickly, or tune out and wait until we get into something you're interested in. Uh, tribulation that, That's a word that uh, you would hear uh, associated with end times. And the Bible indicates that things are going to get really bad before the end comes. And, you know, we're familiar with the idea that a, a, an addict, an alcoholic, a, a drug addict or somebody has to hit bottom before they're really finally ready to, to turn around and make a change. Uh, the world's going to hit bottom. It really is. Things are not getting better, people. I mean, our toys are getting better. But things are not getting better. And just because our toys are getting better doesn't necessarily isn't necessarily a good thing. I mean, I'm, I'm a gadget guy. I like, I like, yeah. Uh, I'm a gadget guy. And uh, now my wife kind of is freaked out by gadgets, but that's okay. Some of you are. And some of you ought to be. Have you, ever, have you ever had a conversation with your spouse where you said something like, you know, we probably need to replace that dishwasher. And for the next two months, the all, uh, all of your social media is flooded with advertisements for dishwashers. <laughs> That's creepy. <laughs> That's just weird. But so things are not necessarily getting better. Uh, now, some people in teaching about the tribulation will talk about it being, uh, well, this is this is for Israel, uh, and they'll use the term the time of Jacob's trouble, and yeah, it's going to be bad for Israel. But Revelation seems to make it pretty clear that it's going to be bad for everybody. You know, not not just not just Israel, but concerning Israel, I want to. Let's throw some things out there right now. I don't usually hit topical stuff, uh, uh, current topical stuff, but this isn't current. This is just about Israel. There are three things that I, I, I feel like you need to consider. I'd like for you to consider. First thing is, and this just isn't, isn't just about Israel, but it is specifically it is importantly about Israel, is God will fulfill His promises and His purposes. He will do it. He doesn't need our help. Last spring, Michelle washed the car with the help of our two grandsons living next door, Jack and Beau, ages eight and seven at the time. She will never do that again. <laughs> I mean, seriously. I, every now and then I kind of kid her. I go, hey, you know, it's, it's pretty weather. Jack and Bo coming over. Why don't you get the... No. No. You know what that's about, right? When we help God, it doesn't usually work out well. When we try to fix things for God, you ever, you ever ask God to do something and then you went and tried to do it yourself? Yeah. You know what what I'm saying? Back in the uh, late 70s, I guess it was, Wayne and I and this guy named Randy Thompson were in a group together and uh, uh, we'd go and do concerts and uh, usually we would close the concert with our greatest hit. (laughs) Let God do it. Goliath was a giant of the Philistines to the army of the Lord. He was looking mean. David was a shepherd boy attending his flock but he went to fight the giant with a sling and a rock Goliath went to battle with a shield and sword David went to battle in the name of the Lord What's the next line Wayne <laughs> 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 okay I, I, I may have maybe I'm skipping a line but anyway as a giant fell David started to sing and if you listen real close you could hear his refrain get out of the way and let God do it there ain't no other way that you're going to get through it go down on your knees admit you blew it get out of the way and let God do it and I'll tell you what there were there were several uh, uh, other verses and they were all real good I I uh, Wayne and Randy wrote the music one of the other of us wrote the verses, uh, but uh, they were all real good. But if you look through the Bible, almost, well, virtually every hero of the faith, every one in the Bible, has that testimony. They didn't do anything; they just believed God, and God did stuff. And God is able to fulfill His promises to Israel, and He will. I believe that he will. Second thing to consider is we're told to not look to man for our help. Specifically uh, back at the end of last year Michelle and I were reading through Isaiah. And I, during Isaiah's time Israel was being threatened by the Assyrians. And it was, it was a very dire threat. Every city fell but Jerusalem. Uh, But over and over and over and over again, and in Isaiah, and if you look at other prophets at the other times, you'll see this same message. It said, don't look to man. Don't trust in man. Don't trust in Egypt. Don't be looking for uh, um, somebody else to come and help you. I will do it. Look to me. Look to God. And so that's, that's an important concept to keep in mind. And now I'm going to say something that you, some, num, numbers of you are not going to like, but I, I'm just going to say it anyway. We aren't saved because we support Israel. I'm not saying don't support Israel. I'm not saying that at all. I, I believe that this is God's chosen people and I believe that God will, will, will do his thing. I pray for the peace of Jerusalem. I pray for uh, that, that, that whole area. But don't confuse taking a political stand with being a disciple of Jesus. They're not the same thing. Being a disciple of Jesus it, it, it involves sacrifice. It involves uh, love, love. And inv- I, I, I actually, I, I got a, I got a, a letter, uh, an email uh, a couple of weeks ago from Don Finto in, uh, in Nashville and he and some pastors had gotten together a, a letter of support for, for, for uh, the Jews and, and he asked if I would be willing to sign it. And I prayed about it for several days. And I finally, I, I, I told Don, I said, here's the situation, Don. I uh you know I, I I certainly support the Jews and I and I and I like a lot of what this letter says because it was talking about it wasn't necessarily talking about Israel, it was talking about uh, threats against the Jews here. I so said, yeah, I can I can definitely, I'm definitely on board with we need to stand with them on that. I'm a little uncomfortable because It feels a little political. It feels like, I mean, we're supposed to, we should extend this to everyone. Really should. The Lord did tell me to go ahead and sign it. I did sign it. But it doesn't say God loved Israel so much that he sent his one and only son. God loved the world so much that he sent his one and only son. Okay, let me jump into some other uh, exciting stuff here about the end times. Uh, so let me, let, me, let me clear some things up for you folks. Uh, is a seven-year period, is it for a seven-year period? Probably. Uh, that's, uh, there, are, there are a lot of places in Scripture that you, that apply to this time, and seven years seems to be significant. But let me just say that it, it's more like an oven than a light switch. I, I was brought up with uh, with the notion that the 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 um, the tribulation will start, and then seven years will go by. Uh, and so uh, the the question would be, well, when when does it start? Well. I'm sure there are a lot of people in this world that you'd be hard-pressed to convince them it hadn't already started. I mean, if you lived certain places and were experiencing things that a lot of people are experiencing, I think you'd probably go, what do you mean when's it going to start? It's it's here right now. Uh, Some are in it right now. So I I don't know exactly necessarily. Like I say, I think it's more like an oven than a light switch. It kind of it, it comes on the frog in the kettle. Uh, another um, popular topic or topic that's significant is Antichrist. Uh, I many of you ever heard of Antichrist? Yeah, a bunch, bunch of you have, probably all of you have. And uh, I, was, I was brought up on Antichrist watch, you know. <laughs> Oops. No, I think it's over here. You, you know, uh, I was kind of brought up on that. And, you know, and, and I, uh, it, it probably is a particular individual. I think, I think uh, certainly that seems to be what it's saying. Uh, but there's also, and you know, as I, like I say, as I've gotten older, I've gotten dumber, but in some ways I've kind of gotten uh, just a little different perspective on things because John talks about the spirit of Antichrist being in the world. Uh, and, and Paul talks about the man of lawlessness coming. And yeah, that can definitely be a particular person, but I think the spirit of Antichrist is, is kind of very present right now. And uh, lawlessness, the man of lawlessness, uh, you know, is that me? There's some ways I kind of feel that way, maybe, sometimes. I certainly see that in society. Uh, But if he is a particular person or just society in general, it's marked by two things specifically. And those two things are lying and boasting. From from, uh, Daniel to uh, Jesus talking about him and the prophets to uh, Revelation uh, to what Paul has to say about him. Two things—it's got to do with the mouth, lying, big time, and and boasting—and both of those things are very, very prevalent. In our society right now, you know, when I when somebody tells me, "Did you hear about what so and so did, I mean, what what they did, what that country did, or what this this person did?" Uh, uh, and I say, "Really? Where'd you find that out?" Well, I heard it on the news, or I, I you know I saw it online or something. You know, m- m- my go-to is, "That didn't happen." ought to be your go-to as well, to be quite honest. That didn't happen. Because who knows what you can believe anymore? Seriously. From either side of the spectrum. Who knows? The spirit of Antichrist is with us for sure. The rapture. Hallelujah. All right, it's time to wake up now. Let's talk about the rapture of the church, shall we? And you, and you know, you probably, you probably uh, have heard that term. You probably also know that that term's not in Scripture. So, you know, where did it come from? What's the idea all about? 1 Thessalonians 4.17 is really... Is really the the bedrock scripture. After that, after the dead in Christ are raised, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. And I say, hallelujah, yes, amen. I'm looking forward to it. It doesn't tell me when it's going to happen. Doesn't put it in any kind of time frame context. Now, I was brought up in the right way. i mean i 've seen churches split over when this is going to happen. I was brought up in the, I, was, I was brought up in a, in a pre- tribulation rapture of the church god 's going to take us out of here before all this stinking stuff starts happening and i 'm just kind of wondering, well why aren we gone? <laughs> that 's one of the things i 'm kind of wondering, but any, any, anyway, and there' be some verses used to support that uh, and then uh, I actually ran into some people who didn't believe the way we believed and discovered that, well, there's some pretty good scripture to support the idea of this happening after uh, the... Tribulation happens. And then and then I came across a book in my in my mid-twenties called The The Mid-Tribulation Rapture of the Church. And boy, that made more sense than anything. I was just I was just so confused that I finally decided, I don't care when it happens, I trust God. I trust Him. And if he, if he gets us out of here before, well, all right, I'm good with that. But if, he, if, he, if we go through the tribulation, God is able to preserve. God is able to keep us. And so, yeah, we're going we're to meet the Lord in the air. I do believe that. But where it fits in that, how important is that? Okay. Uh, Christ returned. All I'm going to say is he, he is coming back. He said he would when he ascended into heaven. They said this same Jesus who's gone into heaven is going to come back in the same way you saw him go he said and when he does nobody's it's not going to be any secret thing you know you don't have to belong to the right church to know when he that he actually came back he said it, it's going to be like the lightning flashing from the east even to the west I think that would be west and that's east. it's going to be like the lightning flashing from the east even to the west every eye will see him every knee will bow before Him. So it's going to happen. And and there's going to be a final battle. I'm pretty certain about that. Although uh, and I hope I'm on one of those white horses coming back with Him. But I won't have a gun because I won't need one. I'm just there to watch. (laughs) Let God do it. And He will. And then there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. You see, Jesus is not going to fix things. He's going to totally do away with all of the old things. The old things it says will not be remembered anymore. And it can't happen too soon. Because every tear will be dry. There won't be any homelessness. There won't be any, there won't be any, any strife or any any struggling. And I'm kind of, I can't even imagine it. But it's going to be. It's going to be that way. Now, uh, so what would I focus to see? Let me, let, me, let me quickly touch on this and I'm going to get into the third part, which is the most important part. Uh, first of all, certainly if millions of people disappear overnight, start the clock. <laughs> Seven years, probably about three years in, it's really going to get bad three and a half, something like that. You know, if millions of people disappear overnight, I'm just telling y'all in case any of y'all aren't one of those millions of people who disappear overnight. If a political leader arises who seems too good to be true and and he's such a friend with Israel and he establishes a covenant with them that somehow has something to do with seven years I'd say probably I'll start the clock then as well. And it might not be a pre-trib rapture, uh, but still trust God. Uh, and, and this is the last one I'll say, if, uh, if it becomes required uh, to have a bio implant or a or a tattoo or something on your hand or on your head or something, to be able to buy and sell, and otherwise you can't buy and sell. Don't do it. <laughs> because over, well, was it over? No, it's around. Almost 2,000 years ago, a prophet said that's going to happen. That was, and you know what? We can see it happening. I mean, even when I was in my, tw- in my 20s, it was hard to imagine. How could that even possibly happen? But now it's, it, it's like, makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, don't do it. I mean, keep, keep your cash or, or whatever it is that'll, that'll work at that time. And if nothing will work, trust in God. I mean, he fed Elijah with ravens. So, you know, maybe there's going to be more ravens. I, 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 don't, I don't know. That's not any kind of comment on who I'm for, because uh, I'm really not, but. <clears throat> and let me also say this, God does not give us a spirit of fear. He didn't tell us this stuff to make us afraid. He, he, he didn't tell us this stuff so we go, oh, my, what's, what's going to happen? What's... Great fear is going to come on the world. That's part of what he's told us. We don't have to be those who are afraid. We don't have to be fearful. God's word does stuff. It doesn't just tell us about the future. Uh, Yeah, you guys can come on out and stand around for a while. (laughs) It doesn't just tell us about the future. God's word for today. Let me, how many of you know, peace never goes out of style. Peace is always important, and I would, I would venture to say that a lot of people here are in serious need of peace in their lives. Psalm 195, 165 says this, great peace have those who love your law, and nothing can make them stumble. You ever, you ever stumbled? You ever, you ever made a bad decision because of anxiety? because of fear, because of a lack of peace. Isaiah 26.3 says, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Back in the 80s, I was, uh, early 80s, I was one of the elders at the Lord's Chapel and there was, a, there was a, another elder there named Lewis Hart. And Lewis, Lewis was a really good... Bible teacher and just a strong man of the word. He had a son. He only had one child. It was a son who wanted absolutely nothing to do with God, nothing to do with the word, nothing to do with church. And, uh, and I remember Lewis sharing at an elders meeting one night, he said, you know, uh, there's, there's such an ache and such a pain in my heart because of my son. And I, uh, I used to just be torn up about it every day. And then I found this verse. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. You see, when there's something in, in your life that's got you, got you by the throat, it's got you all torn up, you can do one of two things. You can look at it, or you can look at Him. And if you look at it, it's not going to get any better. But if you look at Him, it may still be there, but it loses its grip on your life. Peace begins to replace all of that pent-up anxiety and stuff that's there. Peace never goes out of style. Joy never goes out of style. Psalm 19, 8 says, The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. You know, as you get into the Word, there are days, there are times, and the day may start out funky. It may, you know, just not. But you kind of get into the Word and something Something, a little light comes through. <laughs> and A little smile starts to spread in here. Just, oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and you may not, you know, it may not make you hilarious or anything, but there's joy. There's joy. Over in Nehemiah, the people were having the word written, uh, read to them publicly. And at first they were, they were weeping and they were mourning because they, they hadn't done what they were supposed to do. But then the, the, the teachers went through and began to explain the word to people. And it says this, then all the people went away to eat and drink, to send portions of food and to celebrate with great joy because they now understood the words that had been made known to them there's understanding and and you say well you know well, I read the Bible and I don't understand it read it again read it again read it again understanding will come if you seek me you will find me if you diligently seek the kingdom it will be there it will reveal itself to you and as it does oh Oh, the joy that floods my soul. The word for today. Peace doesn't go out of style. Joy doesn't go out of style. God's promises are sure. 2 Corinthians tells us that God's promises are yes and amen. To them that believe, do you know what those promises are? There's a bunch of them and if you'll be in the word God's word for today he'll give you the promise for today that you need he will I requested one song this week and we did it same God same God who kept his covenant Of love with Jacob, the same God who made a shepherd boy courageous, the same God who showed Mary favor. He's the same God. Our God does stuff, and He's the same God. And so we're going to reprise a little bit of that song. With those who are going to pray with people, uh, go ahead and come forward and just stand. And if you, uh, if you need prayer, He's the same God. These these brothers and sisters would love to pray with you. And if you don't specifically feel like you need prayer for something today, just let him minister to your heart. He's the same God. Same God. Same God.